welcome to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high-impact life. Now, here's Rick. Welcome to another episode of the Point of Impact podcast, and I'm Rick McDaniel. And today, I've got a special treat for you. We have a guest with us today, John Jenkins. He's the senior pastor of First Baptist Church in Glen Arden, Maryland. He is uh, a great leader in the black church and a, uh, a voice for certain. And in these particular times that we are in right now with what has happened to George Floyd and all the resulting protest and certainly just the overall uh, conversation as it relates to race, it seemed to me like a perfect opportunity to bring John on and allow him to educate us and inform us about the black experience. He has been the pastor of his church for over 30 years. He's the chair of the board of directors of the National Association of Evangelicals. He's someone who has a long ministry uh, out right outside DC in the greater uh, Washington DC area of really having incredible impact and all kinds of uh, Congress people as well as other leaders in government attend his church. He is just uh, someone that has a lot to share with us, a lot of experience, a, a lot of insight, and we need to hear this. And those of us that are white need to have a better understanding of the pain and the hurt that the black community is experiencing. We all saw what happened to George Floyd. It is reprehensible to any thinking decent person. But for uh, the black community, it is just uh, another, another repeat of what has been seen and experienced too many times. And so we need to talk about it and we need to be informed by someone who has the kind of knowledge and experience that can really, really help us. So I'm excited to have George joining, uh, he's, he's in Prince George County, John Jenkins joining us today. Uh, for this conversation, and I really hope that it helps you, and I know it's going to help me. So let's welcome John Jenkins. John, it's great to have you with us uh, today on the Point of Impact podcast to uh, educate us, to share with us, to help us to understand better, seek seek to understand, uh, Covey said, uh, then to be understood. And for many people, especially white folks, we need to understand better what is happening. And because you are such a key leader in the black church and a leader in, in, in the church in general, you are the perfect person to talk to. And so I just want to begin by just asking you, you know, what are your thoughts and feelings right now about what is happening in America? Let me begin, first of all, Pastor Rick, by thank you for having enough care, concern, and sensitivity to the plight of others for you to even want to take the time and have this dialogue. I'm honored that you want to do that and thankful as an African-American. I'm appreciative of your posture and your willingness to uh, seek to try to understand. So I'm honored. Let me begin by saying Well, thank that. you. And I'm absolutely happy to have you. Yeah, there are no words to describe in the human language how I felt about what I witnessed. Uh, just seeing the police officer with his knee on the neck of an African-American until he expired and died created, number one, a level of anger. And, uh, and, and I would have felt that 
I would have felt like that whether it was an African American or an Anglo or a Hispanic. It didn't matter what the color of the person was. I felt that what that police officer did was wrong and unjust, and I would have felt that way regardless of who uh, who it was. The problem with what happened uh, in that particular case is that it is is really the the straw that breaks the camel's back because this is. These kinds of things have been going on for a long time. This is not the first time that it happened. Mm-hmm. There are so many examples of it, and it's just reached a place where it's a, it reaches a place where people are boiling over and angry and mad about it. Yep, that's that's exactly understandable. Um, I remember what happened to Eric Garner six years ago. Very similar circumstances, you know, just very similar, not some major crime being committed, same sort of choking and 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 killing of, of a black man by a number of police officers. And to think we're back here six years later is uh, is just so distressing. So just tell me a little bit more, just help people to try to understand the black experience you know, as it differs from what many white people experience in America. Just take me through whatever uh, in your own history or your experience or even those of the church you lead. Just let us try to understand better your perspective on things. Wow, man, I could talk. I could talk uh, and give you examples of that for the rest of these 30 minutes. (laughs) Let me start off with some of my own personal experiences. Uh, One particular Sunday morning, uh, uh, I'm leaving my home to go to to go to um, to my church. And uh, I live in an upscale community and I pulled out on the main highway. And uh, within a few minutes, I got pulled over by a police officer, not because I was speeding, not because I broke any law or anything like that. I got pulled over because uh, this police officer, this white police officer, didn't think that an African American should be coming out of that community. Wow. Uh, but wow. this is the community that I live in. Not only did he pull me over, Rick, Pastor, but he came to the window of my car with his gun pulled and aimed it at my head. Hmm. Um, I, I cannot tell you. I'm a pastor. Yes. And it's a Sunday morning, 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm on my way to church. Wow. And he's pulling me over because he don't think I should be coming out of that community. Um, this is the community that I live in. Um, so, you know, it's those kinds of stories that are painful. My son uh, purchased a car uh, and he goes, he's got the car for about maybe two or three months. He, uh, he goes to have dinner with some of his friends. He comes back. He comes back to the car and uh, instantly is surrounded by police officers. He doesn't know what's going on. They have handcuffed him, put him on the ground. Turns out the car was stolen. He had no idea the car was stolen. He didn't know. He had a bill of sale, a title, just that it was all forged, but he didn't know that. And they just treated him like a dog. Wow. For a car that he thought he legally purchased from someone, right. only to find out later that the car had been stolen. They didn't give him a chance you know, did it did it warrant him being handcuffed, put on the ground, and arrested like they did? I, I just thought it was a, a bit much and too far. I don't think they treat Anglo's like that. I think there's a little more compassion and understanding about it. Uh, so it's those kinds of things that has created a great deal of stress. Uh, and you know, let me talk about let, let me continue to talk about 
some other stories. Let's talk okay. about. Uh, I don't know if you heard the story of uh, of this woman in um, New York. Amy Cooper is her name. She's in Central Park with her dog, uh, and there's an African American at the same park who actually happens to be a bird watcher. He watches birds, and uh, Amy Cooper, a white woman, is in the park with her dog, uh, unleashed running around in the park, which is not legal. The park has a law that you're supposed to have your dog on a leash. Uh, he asked her, uh, his, this, the black guy's name is Christian Cooper. There's no relationship between the two. Asked Amy Cooper, can you put your dog on the leash, please? That's the, uh, the law in this is the Central Park area. You're supposed to have your dog on a leash. And she uh, grabs her phone, calls the police, 911 and tells the police that this man is threatening her life. All he asked her to do was obey the law. <laughs> obey the law. Wow. And and those there's multitude of stories like that. Mm-hmm. I, there's so many situations. It's, it's an ongoing deal. Right. Uh, and then of course on top of those stories as distressing as they are, how upsetting as a fellow Pastor, how upsetting that is to then have to go minister after you've been through such a, an experience of having a gunpoint at your head is just unreal. But then we get to these situations where where people of color are actually being literally killed, uh, not just harassed and disrespected, but actually killed. And so, you know, it, we can see how that gets us to uh, to where we are. So let me ask you to talk a little bit about this idea of or the phrase black lives matter because you know there are folks that say well all lives matter or blue lives matter or whatever the case may be and um, I think it would be helpful if you could help people to, to understand what that phrase means to you as a black leader and as you speak for a large large group of people that you lead help us to understand that better I, I do understand why some people would have trouble with that phrase. Unfortunately, many side organizations have attached their agenda to that to that label, unfortunately. Uh, and so, so many people identify it with uh, that phrase, that label, with things that were not the original intent. Black, Black Lives Matter was birthed out of the reality that so many of our black men were being shot and killed by police officers. That's how it got, that's how it was originated. Okay. That there's so, there's so many situations of uh, black people being killed by police officers. Um, I have a list of, I don't know, 20 or 30 names here. And um, you're not going to call these names out, but you guys probably wouldn't know who these people are. Uh, but there's stories of guys who got killed unjustly by police officers, all of whom were unarmed, posed no threat to the police officer, but for whatever reason, the police officers, primarily white, shot and killed them. And that's where the phrase originated from. And I could, you know, just give you so many stories of of those kinds of things happening. And a lot of these have videos that go along with it that you can see it happen. And of course, the videos are what really, in in some ways, and we'll see if you agree with this, I think that's what's really turning the tide because when you see the young man uh, in Georgia and Aubrey, he's, uh, you know, just out for a jog and these two guys, not police even, two guys, you know, have guns and are stopping him. 
And, you know, I just think to myself, if that was me, you know, I would just be like, what do you think you guys are doing? You know, of course it's going to turn into a confrontation. There's no other way that it couldn't. And then for them to, you know, take take uh, the law into their own hands and then to see what happens to George Floyd. And it's it, for almost nine minutes. These things are they're unbelievable, but they would have not been as believable if we didn't have video evidence. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, without question. And you know what else makes Rick, Pastor Rick, what makes this situation horrific in, in Atlanta is um, they shot Ahmaud Aubrey, and it took them 74 days before yes, charges were filed. Right. And, and the only reason the charges were filed is because the video got discovered. Right. Yep, that's exactly right. You're 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 totally right. And so thank God for these phones. You know, these video these video phones are really uh, it, it's a, a funny thing to say maybe, but this technology is really helping us to really see things the way they are. Because as as we all know, and 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 people like us who are speakers for a living, preachers, we believe in the power of the spoken word. But we know the power of 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 movies. We know the power of media. We know the, and I mean not media like the news media, but the being able to show things on a screen to see something is powerful. And and words are one thing, but uh, images are just another. And uh, so, thank God these things are available now because in many ways they're turning the tide. Right. Absolutely. That's exactly right. And and thank God for, like you said, thank God for video because people wouldn't believe it, but. But see, the thing is, this has been going on for decades. Mm -hmm. This is not new. Right. This has been going on for decades. A long time. There just wasn't the video evidence before. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's and that's why, you know, that's why we're 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 where we're at right now and and why it's 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 time for change. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, What would you like to see happen? What what changes would you like to see take place? Well, first of all, there's a lot of changes that need to take place. Number one, the first thing I'd like to see take place, that's my burden, is for the white church to speak up and say something. They've been, the white church, especially white Anglo evangelical leaders have been silent. They've been quiet. They need to speak up. And when you see unjust things happen and say something about it, don't dismiss it. Some, Some of these televangelists have dismissed that social justice issues have any place in the gospel. When my reading of the Bible is crystal clear that the heart of God is concerned about people being marginalized, uh, taken advantage of, treated wrongly, unjustly, it absolutely means that uh, uh, the gospel means we're here for the poor and the less fortunate. So I just think uh, the Anglo church needs to speak up and side with what's righteous. That's number one. Okay. Number two, our criminal justice system is just not fair. If you have enough money, you can get out of almost anything. You can get, you can, you can weasel your way, work your way, plead your way out mm-hmm. of all, almost any accusation or charge that you have against you. Uh, for people who don't have resources or money or can't afford the lawyers to work the system, um, they're doomed. Even if they're even if they're innocent, they just don't have the money to get the right representation something needs to be done about that um uh, and then the law some of these laws you know for a long time um uh if you use drugs certain kind of drugs you got put away if you got caught uh with you know uh cocaine um 
you know, you got you got put away. And if it was your third or fourth time or second or third time, you got put away for life uh, some years ago. But now that those same uh, drugs are being used in the Anglo community. <laughs> it's changed. Uh, it's, it's changed. That's mm-hmm. right. It's yeah. now changed. And, and now it's, it's, a, it's a drug problem that we have to get treatment for these people. So, you know, it's just, it's not equitable. The way the laws and the criminal justice system is is situated, it's not equitable across the board for everybody equally. Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't know that I, I know we share a very good common friend, but I don't know if, if you know, but I've been, this is something I've been passionate about. I've been to up to the Capitol, met with the Speaker of the House uh, about criminal justice reform. I was a part of the First Step Act, and I'm a signatory on the Justice Declaration. So I am well-versed in this. I'm not well-versed in some of the other things. Uh, which is why you're educating me today. But when it comes to criminal justice reform, I'm with you. I, I There are just so many inequities and so many things that are unfair about it uh, that just have got to be changed. And um, uh, I'm, I'm that that much I know a little bit more about, and I'm, I'm absolutely with you. Well, let me ask you something about the, the, the social justice, just, you know, pastor to pastor here. So just see if this is, you know, your experience or if, if you've heard this before. So in terms of evangelicalism, I think the challenge uh, has is this false dichotomy, which is you either you're going to focus on evangelism, on preaching the good news, on helping people to come to know Christ, or you're going to do social uh, justice type uh, focus. You're going to do compassion ministry, care for the poor, reach out for the marginalized and oppressed. And it was almost <coughs> like it was a split, like you had to pick one way or the other. Did, do you, did you see that yourself in your years in ministry? That's the way it has been presented, but mm. <clears throat> I don't believe that's the way. I don't believe that's the teaching of the, of the Bible, mm-hmm. or the, the gospel. I think um, we feed hungry people so that they are capable of hearing the gospel. Yes, right. Yep, right. Right out of the book of James. Yes. And so that's, and then I was fortunate enough to to be able to be introduced at places like Boston College and Duke University to people who theologically were not necessarily where I was at, but they could, they brought this message to me many, many years ago and helped me to see that the full gospel, which was something I had been told for years, you know, the full gospel, really the full gospel is both the, both compassion and evangelism. We, we need both. We, we can't split between the two. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pastor. Yeah. Absolutely. And now we're, and now we're seeing what that looks like to, to not just do compassion ministry in the sense of the poor and the homeless and absolutely vital, but also what does it look like to move in these areas of of justice, and this, of course, makes some people nervous because th- they think that it involves politics. So, what would you say to those in white evangelical churches uh, about, you know, well, I don't want to get political? What would you say to that? You know, the Bible. You know, people try to put certain things in categories as though the Bible has nothing to say about them. And the scripture teaches and instructs us on all facets of life. I think it's tragic that we try to put things in a certain category and say those are political. We don't deal with that. That's that's just not true. We we the Bible speaks to just about anything that we have to face mm-hmm. in life. Yes. And as Christians, we're called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. 
that means the, the salt of the teaching of the word and the light of our relationship with Jesus plays a significant role in how we live our lives and how we treat people and how we make decisions. It, it affects so much of our life. And it is our job as believers in Jesus Christ to do everything in our power to influence the culture, to apply these principles uh, across the board in all aspects of our lives, including the political spectrum. And certainly the message of Christianity in terms of loving uh, your neighbor and uh, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. These most basic scriptures in all of Christianity apply to this situation, yes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's what we have to we have to work on being more um, more like Christ, more loving and more uh, understanding and uh, putting ourselves in the shoes of others and trying to to uh, see what it is like for their experience. Now, in, within the within uh, parts of the of the church, especially say the Pentecostal side, not solely, you have more uh, churches that are uh, led by and and have both black and white uh, congregants as as well. And do you think those churches do any better, or do you not? Well, I, I certainly can't speak for all churches. Okay. I happen to be the chairman of the board of the National Association of Evangelicals. Yes. I don't know if you knew that. Yes, I, I introduced you with that. It's very impressive. Yes. Yeah, okay, yes. So um, I, I am I am familiar with a lot of practices of many churches, but not all churches. So, um, you know, uh, I'm not always sure exactly what all of the churches are doing, but we, we would hope that uh, across the whole breadth and life of evangelicalism that, that people are are embracing and understanding the principles and the truth of what you just mentioned and that they're they're practicing what would it look like uh again we you know you gave some of your your recommendations things that you think need to change and and say in the larger culture how about within the church what what would what would uh, unity or healing look like for you within the church of jesus christ so our church I have a, my church is a large church. We have about, we average 11,000 people on a weekend before pen, before the pandemic. Yes, before, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> now we have a hundred, but yes, right. I, I got you. <laughs> uh, it's a large church. And maybe about 20 years ago, when we were maybe around 3,000 people, I made a conscious decision for our primarily African-American church to come out of the primarily African-American denomination that we were a part of. And we actually joined a church that really was started by Swed Swedish people, by Swedes. Okay. Uh, not because I needed anything from them. I joined them and united with them and remain a part of that organization to this day because I wanted our culture and our community to be exposed to people that didn't look like them. Because a lot of the people in my church were raised through the civil rights era. And they, they're, some of the people in my church, they're older people now, but they, they had the water holes and the dogs and the hell of going into restaurants. They lived through those civil rights era. Wow. And I wanted them to know that not all white people are like that. Okay. I wanted them to know that there are Christians that are white that love African Americans and 
interact with African-Americans and engage with African-Americans and will treat them with respect and honor. So I joined this denomination for that reason, but I've never heard of a, prim by, of a primarily a, a white church joining a primarily African-American denomination for the same reason. Okay. It doesn't happen. We don't cross, they don't cross over into our culture like we so often cross over into the Anglo culture. And, and I just think as a, as a start and as a beginning, um, so many people need to recognize that we're not going to get peace until we start understanding each other and relating each other and building relationships with each other and crying together and laughing together and working together and serving together and preaching together. We have to do that. We've got we to gotta move beyond our, our little cubby holes and just staying with the people that we're comfortable with. we got to move beyond that. Yeah. And that and that takes intentionality. I mean, that just doesn't happen or it won't happen. It hasn't happened because you really have to try or you have to be put into a situation. I was fortunate through athletics to be introduced to African-American athletes and teammates. And of course, when you're on a team, you really grow to love each other and you learn uh, about each other's backgrounds. And so athletics is a great, great way for that to happen. And I was fortunate, both my boys are played college football, but my one son was quite a basketball player as well. And he was on an AAU team in which all of the guys on the team except him were African-Americans and primarily from the city of Richmond. And he lived out in the suburbs and it gave him such a great opportunity to learn about different culture, to be able to just, and we as parents got to know the parents and we got to know each other as human beings, as parents, as athletes, and it's those kinds of experiences that need to happen in the church, don't you think? Absolutely, and I salute you, Pastor, because many Anglo parents would not have allowed their son to play on a team like that or to engage with African-Americans like that, but you did, and that makes me so proud of you, and I celebrate you that you had the courage and the willingness and the heart, and your son had the heart to say, hey, we should be engaged with people that don't look like us. So I salute you for that. If more Christians did that, our world would be a much better place. So that's the that's the unity part. Let's just talk just for a moment, kind of as we get toward a, a finishing point. I mean, we could talk for hours, but just about healing, healing in our country, healing uh, just in, in the church. Just what can we do? Just because this has been my burden of this past week is just... What can we do uh, to bring healing? Uh, are there any steps we could take just immediately as well as long term? Uh, what, what do you think about that? In terms of steps that individuals or churches, uh, I would, make. I would uh, both if, if, if we can, if we have time, but individuals and churches and even our country, you know, as, as, as much as we can talk about it, just thoughts that you would have as a leader that, that could help our listeners. So I think uh, at the start, the first thing that I think is so important is for people to engage relationally with somebody that doesn't look like them. Okay. Um, just, you know, engage that, you know, uh, you know, get to know them, visit their homes, go have dinner with them. Uh, just understand, get the names of their kids and 
just interact with them, understand mm-hmm. their life, what their journey. Right. Not somebody that lives next door to you, because the one that lives next door to you probably is, is in the same economic mm-hmm. status as you. Somebody right. who's not in the same economic status as you. Yes. And yes. just show them some love. Show them the love of Christ. Just engage them. Not not in a missional way. Not that you're going to the to the poor community to be missional. Okay. But just, just as a human being. Yes, just as relationships. Okay. Yes. All right. Relationships with them. It might be a, a coworker or uh, somebody that goes to your church or just just somehow build relationships with them. And I would hope the church would do the same thing. That we would just engage relationally with people that do not look like us. Our church, our church has adopted um, and engaged in a relationship with a lot of Hispanics. Matter of fact, we bought a church for a Hispanic church. Okay, great. Because the, was one of the pastors, one of the one of the staff members on our team. We we we've hired a lot of Hispanic people at our church, and one of the Hispanics there was a pastor, and we helped his church by buying them a church. We bought them a building for him and his church, and fixed it up, and 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 now they worship in that building we did that for them and made it economically feasible for them to afford something that on their own they would have never Never been been able able to to. yeah that's great that's great that's having that sort of uh influence that you can have uh to 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 the being in that place and that's what many white churches and white people have is that kind of influence or privilege however you want to refer to it and the, the power and gives them an opportunity then and and we need to be able to use that in the in the right way absolutely absolutely and I, and, I, and the clear thing i want to make sure i'm not talking about just doing a missions thing that's okay. the thing i want to make a separation All from right. that i'm not saying do a missions trip that you go in and uh, the white people going to help these little poor black people mm-hmm. no 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 it's relational relational it's yes doing more equal than just Right. Yes. 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 Viewing yes. each other as just e- equal, yes. equal, equal. Jur- we're all fellow uh, sojourners on this on this journey of life, and and tr- treating each other that way, and appreciating, respecting our our own backgrounds, and 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 everything like that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yes. That's fantastic. And just, and just before you called me, Pastor, I, I, I needed to um, delay our call for just a few minutes because I have an Anglo friend that lives out in Seattle, Washington, and and uh, he called me, and uh, we were talking, and I, I realized I was going to miss our call time, but here's a brother here's a brother that I've known for over 20 years. He, he and I met in 1997, and our families and our churches have remained close for the entire duration of time. We see to it that we maintain relationships. I go preach for him, he co- preaches for me. Our churches and our families have done events together and do things together. We purposely, his church is primarily Anglo, my church is primarily African-American. We purposely work to maintain our relationships with each other, yeah. and we're on opposite sides of the country. He's in Seattle, I'm in outside of Washington in Maryland. Yeah. And so it's, it's purposeful, and we love each other. We, we prayed together when he got off the phone today. That's what we've been doing for 20 years. Yeah, that's great, and that's, and that's what we... That's a great way to finish because that's what we really need to do is find ways to do that. 
because when you really know someone, you know their family, you know you you care about them, then then you you you're you're relating to them just as a, as a friend, and and that's what we need to do is just really get to know each other better, and then we can work through uh, these differences that are inevitable whenever people are different for a whole host of reasons, and we're able to do that. So I think that's fantastic, and Pastor. John, it has been really just great to talk with you. I really believe these words are going to help people and I and I help them to understand, which is the beginning point, but hopefully help them to move in action as well. And I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us with us today. Thanks so much. Yes, Thanks for having me, Pastor. I hope the best for you and your family. All right. God bless. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.